Okay, I'm back. The Hop Podcast is back. Where have I been? What's going on? I'm going to riff for a little bit. I hope you're okay with it. When I did my podcast, and I haven't been doing them for a while, as a lot of people realize, and I'd like to apologize to a few people who had podcasts lined up, particularly Rocket Longboards, Boosted Boards, and a young skater in India. We'll get to that in a minute. They were the three podcasts I had lined up before I took a break. So basically what happened was my mother got sick and I normally do my podcasts, my editing and also a lot of the recording at night. So I had a a schedule that I'd do but instead of doing the podcast I was spending a lot of time at the hospital with my mother and she recovered and she's recovered really well but she went in and out of hospital a few times towards the end of or at the end of last year so when I took a break from doing podcasting and then she went back into hospital in summer and she wasn't doing too well in summer and I actually cancelled my my holidays during summer to spend summer with her in the hospital and you probably I just was sort of dropping some hints that I was going to do a uh, an American trip and I was planning that I was talking to loaded boards and a few others about maybe doing some live podcasting and that never happened I actually cancelled that trip to be with my mother because I had a feeling that it was going to be my last summer with my mum, so I wanted to make that special. And that's probably the reason, it was a personal reason why I stopped doing podcasts, I just ran out of time. I was doing a lot of commuting and spending time in a hospital. And as I said, my mother is doing really well, she's out of hospital, she's back home, she's fully recovered, and I don't know, she's one tough chicken, so... (laughs) Um, I'm really grateful for that and the the medical community services we have in Australia. Okay, enough of that. So, I mean, that was the reason why I stopped the podcast. The other reason was I just wasn't feeling it. And a lot of people that know who I am or how I operate, and I just do things I love. So when I'm not feeling it and... I'm not really, you know, happy in what I'm doing. I don't have to do it, so I don't. And that's pretty much what this podcast is about. I, the main distributor, one would say like the only distributor in Australia where all longboard product comes through, he hasn't been happy with me. And I think it's just affected my not love for the sport but I suppose I just needed to take a little bit of a break and that's what I did I didn't want to do this podcast when it happened this whole situation that I'm about to talk about happened before Newton's and I didn't really want to ruin Newton's or make it a focus of Newton's and I also wanted to take a little bit of heat out of the situation so I got Newton's out of the way 
we had a uh, an awesome event the new azra people if you i did a long podcast uh, sorry i did a long article on facebook regarding that event and why it was so special and all the people involved the new azra people it was awesome and that's it so apologies uh, the big apology, Rocket Longboards, um, you know, I have a podcast lined up, it's almost all edited, and we never did it, and hopefully Rocket and Boosted Longboards, I did an awesome podcast with one of the directors at Boosted, and uh, Mamon from India. I hope they all understand those podcasts I will be releasing in the next three weeks. So they have been edited up and been scheduled to release. So I think I'll just re start releasing them once a week or maybe twice a week. We'll see how we go. That's it. That's my apologies. This is my Back To It podcast. Uh, it's the podcast I had to do to get back into it so the idea for racing this year has been just so much fun I have followed it the rankings it started off with Mitch winning Newtons which was such a huge a huge thing for me and for the Australian racing community but I feel I've been, you know, doing so many World Cups just waiting for that win. You know, we had the talent and, you know, I think maybe we just needed a little bit of luck. But it all came together for Mitch. He won Newton's, Australia's first World Cup win. And then it just got better and better. Harry Clark winning overseas. And as I am recording this he is in La Valenta and he is the number one qualifier and you know hopefully we're going to get a world cup win a world championship win so and a world cup series win so I suppose my talking to so many people over the last six months but in the last few months I know there's been a few changes. The racing's been awesome. I've got so many questions I want to ask riders. I've been getting into other stuff. I think I might get into that at the end of the podcast. So stick around at the end of this podcast and I'll tell you what I've been up to. But let's get into it. I hate long introductions and there again, I've done another one. Reconciliation. This is the word that got me kicked out of longboarding. That was the subject of an email I sent to an Australian distributor, and the result was losing my account. This distributor represents loaded land yachts, orangutan, paris, hawks, bears, pow, era, bones, seismic, pantheon, rain, caliber, blood orange, venom, madrid, valhalla, carver, restless, mini logo, omen, free wheel company, kebep, earthwing, bustin, Halfang, Divine, Rogue, and a lot more. So, 
losing my account effectively got me out of, kicked me out of longboarding. I can no longer buy or sell those brands. And as a quick update, Caliber, Blood Orange, Prism, Madrid, Venom have a new distributor, so these brands will be available to me. Hard to believe that one company controls so many longboard brands. Where they get sold, and in my case, where they don't get sold. Before we start, I want to make this clear. This is not about hating on a distributor or a particular person has an issue with me and wants to kick me out of longboarding business. The reason I've waited a while before telling this story is I wanted the heat to be taken out of it. I don't want skaters taking revenge or harassing, harassing someone on my behalf. I considered not telling this story and just letting it all blow over, but I'm quite sick of telling the same story over and over when people ask. And a few skate shops and people in the industry said I should stand up and say something. Many of them can't because they don't have a voice or their business. They need their business to feed their family. It also gives me a chance to talk about my opinion on distribution. A few industry friends said I should tell the story for closure. I appreciate that advice and the counsel. I'm not, I'm not going to mention their names. They know who they are, and I don't want them dragged into this shit show. And this distributor has a, rep has a reputation for brutal revenge. Finally, I'm not going to mention names. The people who know don't need to be told. They know who I'm talking about. And I don't want petty revenge in my name or anyone being harassed. And that means you, the person listening to this podcast, no petty revenge. First the word, reconciliation. It was the subject of an email I sent. I was emailing about accounts reconciliation. I deal with a lot of big distributors like Billabong and Globe. You pay monthly account statements. They need an accounts reconciliation. Basically a list of invoices paid so they can match against the payment of those invoices on their account. That's standard business practice you know, mandatory for some distributors that don't like getting random amounts of money in their bank account that they can't reconcile. However, for the person that owns this distribution company, the word reconciliation was a trigger. It, he, took it personal, he took it as a personal insult, even though the email wasn't for him. It was for his accounts department. It did take months to get to this point. This person's been having an imaginary fight with me for over six months. Why? It's, it's, it's hard to know why, but I suspect it's all about money. So, the purpose of this email, and as I stated before, it's not about a particular person. It's not about getting revenge or someone or getting other people to take revenge. The purpose of this com podcast is my commentary on the, on the Australian distribution industry. Well, the Australian skateboard distribution industry. That is, it's got to be more than just about money. I don't believe you have to be a skater to own a skate business, but I understand why so many people think that's so important. It can't be all about making a dollar. 
at some point you have to care and love a community. The industry has to grow the sport, not harvest it. Most distributors are just clipping the ticket. Clipping the ticket means just making a certain amount of money on every sale. If that one person doesn't skate or does not believe in growing the community, then the community dies. But the upside is that person gets rich. So what happened in the lead up to me getting kicked out of longboarding? This distributor has been angry with me since last year. In hindsight, it coincided with the start of this podcast. And I suppose the podcast promoting niche brands like Quay and Beggars and stuff like that. I'm guessing because... I mean, I am guessing because I haven't really been told anything specific. Was it that I supported... I mean... Was it because I some I supported small brands? No. It's more to do with how I was spending my money. I was behind in my account. Not giving all my money to this distributor was unacceptable. This point is correct. I hate doing accounts. And yes, payments can be late. But I always pay. Christmas, it's the busiest time of the year. Skate shops order huge quantities. I usually go away with my family after Christmas, so by the time January rolls around, the accounts are late. You know, look at it from my perspective. Should I do my accounts or record a podcast? Should I do my accounts or go skateboarding with the kids? Should I do my accounts or spend the time organising Newtons? Every time, I'm choosing the fun stuff. Did I mention I hate doing accounts? So, I'm late in paying my account. This distributor believes I'm doing it on purpose. I'm against him. When it's just because it's not interesting. I've got other fun things to do. So the tension is simmering. I'd get these phone calls from the distributor with all these stupid questions. Like, what do I spend my money on? You know, I just said, you know, one day I just had enough. I said, okay. Let's get the account up to date. It's important to you. Let's fix it up. I'll stop buying stock and over the next six weeks, I'll pay my account down. And when I'm up to date, we'll start fresh with a good account. The next day, the owner calls me and just explodes over the phone. In 30 years of business, I've never had a phone call like that. At night, in the middle of my family dinner, He rings me, shaking and screaming. I'm going to get you. I'm going to sue you. You're finished. Once he's calmed down, he wanted to, you know, once he'd calmed down, because he wanted to hang up, he just wanted to yell and scream and hang up. But I talked him down. And I'm shaking by this stage. And I ask him the problem. He says, I'm closing my business and I'm never going to pay him. I said, no. That's not what my email said. That's not what we discussed. That's not what I meant to say. I'm stopping ordering stock. I'll sell what I have, pay down what I owe. It'll take four to six weeks, and then my account will be within terms. By the end of the account, he's okay. He's calmed down. But I don't think he believes me. But I'm okay with that. I'm going to do it. We're happily chatting. 
about new products, etc. We're both happy. He goes on his way. So, I do what I say. I stop ordering. Just what I need. Give him regular payments, and my account is getting up to date. It's nearly within terms. Three weeks into my arrangement, I send an email that ends it all. I list out my latest payments, and the subject title says reconciliation, as in accounts reconciliation. I send the email at 9am in the morning. At 4pm, the distributor rings my mobile and explodes. Worse than before. I could hear the quivering in his voice, like effing scary. I was on the edge of crying. My hands are shaking, and he just says, You're done. Like he was ordering a mob hit. (laughs) He says, You don't have an account. I'm closing your account. I want my money back. He doesn't want to speak. He just rings, yells, threatens, and hangs up. After the phone call, I write, an, I write an email to the distributor, to their general email account, so both owners can read it. I explain what happened, and I request no more phone calls from this particular person. I've had two crazy calls this year, no more. I write that my account's been cancelled. Can you send a return email within the next 24 hours to confirm I do not have an account? I don't know why everyone's angry with me. Please explain. And I want an apology. And I wait. And I wait. Waiting. It's like cue the elevator music here. No email. No phone calls. No apology. So then I do the hard thing. I tell my wife. I'm not going to go into that conversation. There was a lot of emotion from both of us. But this is the first time she's heard about the argument. So she knows. She, so she wants to know, what have you done? And I explain, I've done nothing. She qu- and then she questions, who are you in business with? I mean, that one hits me hard, like a reality check. You know, she says, this guy sounds like a loan shark. We discuss taking legal action to stop the harassment. We both think this person has the potential to physically hurt us. The fact I get a threatening phone call and no communication for days, it just amplifies the issue. Like, it's just this black cloud hanging over me. So I go for a long walk, a really long walk, and think it through. Without this distributor, I don't have a business. I literally don't have a business. I'm in the longboard business. That's what I do. That's what I'm known for. This guy controls longboarding in Australia. So without this distributor, I don't have a business. But after he has behaved, can I still trust him? My wife's question of who are you in business with? I mean, it really makes me think. I really feel like I've been terrorised, like I'm some peasant that can be kicked and tortured whenever someone wants. I'm at the point where I can walk away. I don't need the escape business to feed my family. Do I need this person in my life? And the answer is no. So, 
I'll make a decision. I send an email to the distributor saying I'll settle my account in the next two weeks. I actually pay it within 24 hours. The next Monday, I get the first email from the distributor after the reconciliation phone call. It says, thank you for your payment. You can continue trading as long as your account was in, is within 30-day terms. I reply, no thank you, I'm done. That's it. I'm out of the longboard business. I could kiss the ring of this longboard distributor and be, in ba- and be back in business tomorrow, but that's not going to happen. There's a few reasons. Some personal, some business, and some industry. So... Let's talk about them. The personal reasons. So it's pretty obvious, for my mental health I can't do business with someone who will randomly abuse and threaten me over the phone. I should not have to fear for the safety of my family. I mean, I'll never know if a phone call from this person will be a crazy screaming one or a friendly business discussion. Why is that so important? This distributor's old school. They don't have a website with stock and pricing. They only communicate in two ways. One's a weekly email, and the other's a phone call. To know what's new, what's in stock, what brands are arriving, you have to talk to this one person on the phone. In 15 years of business with them, I've never received an email from the owner. I don't actually think he has an email account, because that weekly email I get, well, I used to get, It's from one of his employees. The business reasons. On my long walk contemplating my future business. This is a quick hop edit. I just wanted to say that I had removed a part of the podcast here. The business reasons. I've removed those. I didn't think they were relevant to what I wanted to say. Or the focus of what this podcast was about. On with the podcast. Let's get on to the real point of the podcast, and that's the industry reasons. If there's anything that needs to change, this is it. Anything I discuss beyond this point is not directed at any particular personal business. This is just a general discussion about the industry. Any brands or people I mention are just examples. I'm not singling them out as the problem. So what is a distributor? Distribution is one of the oldest businesses in Australia. We're a long way from the rest of the world, and our market is unique. Many countries are the same. The old-fashioned concept of distribution was representing a brand, Lanyards. doesn't want to open a business in Australia. They appoint a distributor to represent them. The distributor gets a percentage to hold stock and sell it to shops. In the 1970s, skaters had little information about the sport and overseas brands. We got a few overseas magazines, but they were usually expensive and old. A distributor represents a brand. They get a percentage of the business to promote the brand via advertising, sponsorship and events. They grow the local market, they grow their business. Then the internet changed all that. What the internet has changed is information. Before the internet, it was hard for skaters to know the availability of products, new products, or the price of products. 
a distributor could set their price regardless of cost and what it was sold in other markets. A recent example is the release of orangutan knuckles, a new longboard bushing. Images were released on Instagram by orangutan. Skaters discussed them online. We had skaters ringing and asking about them before the local distributor even knew what they were. In business, we talk about channels. In Australia, the current channels are brand, distributor, shop, skater. Three channels before the, dis- before the product gets to the skater. Which means three times the product has been marked up for sale based on cost. Before the internet, these margins were easy to hide. The distributors could increase their margins to cover the cost of marketing. The internet exposes inflated margins. I would argue now that the internet is the distributor and there's one too many channels in the market. Brands are already going direct to skaters. The successful relaunch of Comet used the internet to sell direct to skaters. Brands such as Bustin and Original were profitable early because their main business model was to sell direct to skaters. Original used YouTube to amazing effectiveness to market direct to skaters. I'm not criticising these companies. I'm admiring their hard work. In the age of the internet, do we really need distributors? December 2018, I did an experiment. Land yachts were selling their Christmas mystery box. I had a chance to compare international shipping versus the local distributor shipping. I placed an order with land yachts and one with the Australian land yachts distributor. Which box would get to me first? They arrived on the same day. The land yachts box shipped out of the USA was in my office first. And to be fair to land yachts, I placed the Australian distributor order before the USA order. So the USA or so the Australian order actually had a head start. Maybe it's not a fair comparison, but my point is the internet has not just changed how we research and buy products. It's changed everything in the supply chain. International shipping is faster, cheaper and more reliable. If a brand can ship to me quicker than their distributor, why do we need the distributor? The common industry answer is insurance. The consumer laws in Australia state that if a shop imports a product, they are the manufacturer in the eyes of the law. Basically, if there's any legal issue, a recall of defective product, then the shop is responsible. If the product is part of any lawsuit, then the shop gets sued, not the manufacturer. The worst case scenario is brutal, but so is business. In the current internet age, a brand would not last if it did not stand behind its product in overseas markets. I've been involved in one product recall with a wheel company. We had to chase up a few customers to get product return, and we, the shop, bore the cost. Not the distributor, not the brand. We recently had a manufacturing defect on a set of Bennett trucks, cracked base plate. The Australian distributor, not the one that banned my account, discontinued the product, wouldn't support it. There are laws protecting consumers in Australia, but not businesses. If a distributor refuses to replace, repair or refund a product, there's no system other than suing a company. 
the consumer can use various government departments to force a company to support a warranty claim. But businesses don't have that. So, what did we do? We decided to look after the skater. I mean, the easy thing to do is to do a refund. But, you know, this is a good product. It should be available to skaters in Australia. So we chased down a new supply from the USA, imported some trucks, and replaced the skater's faulty truck at our own cost. If we get shafted by a distributor over one truck, I mean, what would happen if the it was like a high-cost legal matter? I mean, this isn't an isolated case. We've had issues with almost every distributor in Australia. But, you know, you just put it down to the cost of doing business. Distributors cannot claim they provide legal protection for brands and skate shops in Australia. I doubt any of them even have indemnity insurance to mitigate the risk. I mean, this is the skateboard industry. Most boards are used illegally, you know, skating where they should not. Most brands discourage the use of helmets, and we're worried about a lawsuit on defective products. I mean, skateboards are designed to be destroyed by the user. The internet has changed everything, but it seems the industry is still in denial. The old-fashioned structures that protect profit margins, distributors and skate shops, are slowly getting eroded. I'm sort of infamous for my stouches with US skate shops. It's actually a big beat up. I'm friends with most of them. My position is US shops should be allowed to sell wherever they like. An Australian skater buying from a US shop is good for the market. However, I'm against US shops advertising in Australia, either via traditional media or online. The reason is, is they have a huge advantage over overseas shops. And the main advantage is supply. US shops have immediate access to stock that overseas shops don't. This is because they can buy direct. They don't need to purchase six-month stock. They don't have to wait for a distributor to bring in stock. They can order what they need, get it shipped immediately. This is their number one advantage. In Australia, my customers, Australian skaters, can buy from wherever they want, in Australia or overseas. As an Australian skate shop, I'm restricted from where I can buy. I'm shackled by the old-fashioned industry structures. My customers are not shackled. They can shop for the best deal. Part of a distribution deal, a brand restricts where local shops can buy. They, they try to restrict skaters, but really, come on. This is the internet. The genie is out of the bottle. Shutting down one supplier and another one pops up. I always smile when brands promote that they support local skate shops while they tie skate shops to the deck of distribution Titanic, ensuring we all go down with the ship. My last discussion about this topic was with an overseas sales manager for Lanyards. I had a friend in Hong Kong who wanted to buy an Evo. There were no Evos in Australia. Could I buy one from Lanyots and get it shipped to my customer? There was no stock at Lanyots. So it was sort of a mute point, but they made it clear. I could only buy direct from Lanyots if I had permission from the local distributor. 
This is the distributor. Let's just ban my account, the one that doesn't want me in the longboard business. I mean, you can guess what the answer is going to be. As a skater, James Hopkin, I can buy from Land Yachts. As the owner of Hopkins Skate, well, that James Hopkin is not allowed to buy. Land Yachts has granted one person all this authority over their brand in one market, a local distributor. They represent Land Yachts, and what does Land Yachts get? They get a big order, and all they have to do is buy a bunch of stock a few times a year. No other requirements. It's all about the money. As long as the money flows in, the distributor can do whatever they want. No requirement to grow the market. They don't have to do sponsorships. They don't even have to promote the brand. In fact, Land Yachts has given all this power to one company, and they, Land Yachts, have to do all the marketing. I'm picking on Land Yachts because, well, they're the biggest longboard brand, but it applies to every distribution deal. Brands transfer enormous rights and power to distributors for no enforced concessions. Like, to have the distribution deal for Bones or Land Yachts or Loaded is a license to print money. They're clipping the ticket, collecting their percentage on every sale, and there's no requirement for them to sponsor one skate event. No, they don't have to do it. It wasn't always like this. Remember, this is an archaic business structure. The huge margins for the distributor in the pre-internet age was essential. The, the distributor had to promote their product or there'd be no sales. I mean, that all changed with the internet. Brands do all the marketing and distributors just have to collect the money. There's that word again, money. Because it's all about the money. It's not what is best for skaters or the community or the sport. It's all about money. To ensure a distributor gets their money, skate shops are shackled to this old type of business. It's like, it's like a feudal system. The brand, or the king, grants title to a favoured person, the distributor. They have absolute power over all their subjects in the region, skate shops. Unfortunately for skate shops, the peasants, skaters, can bypass this system and buy wherever they want. If this podcast could change one thing, it would be brands letting overseas skate shops buy from wherever they want. My personal opinion is brands such as Land Yachts and Loaded should deal direct to skate shops in Australia. If it's really all about the money, then selling direct will make you more money. If it's a caring and growing a community, then who better than the brand to decide where the distribution profits should be spent? Should a brand's distribution profit be used to grow and promote the sport? Or should it be used to buy someone another Ferrari or Tesla? Okay, that's it. That's the end of the podcast. At the end of this episode, I'll catch you on the next one. And before you go, I said I'd tell you what I've been up to and what's coming up on the podcast. So 
first or first of all, I don't want this episode to be woe is me, poor old Hop. Everyone feels sorry for Hop because I'm doing really well. I have a computer business. I have a few computer businesses, but my main one is upgradable. If you want to check it out, if you're looking at upgrading your computer, my company is upgradable.com and also upgradable.com.au. And we're also in New Zealand, upgradable.co.nz. So check those out. I suppose I should have said, you know, this podcast brought to you by Upgradable. Is your computer upgradable? So I'm doing really well in the computer space. I don't need my skate business to feed the family. And when I realized that I wasn't going to be in the skate business anymore, I did a few things. I mean, I still really, I love the hardware business. I love selling longboards. I love talking to skaters and recommending product. So the Hopkins Skate website will change a little bit. I'm getting more into writing guides and how-tos, that sort of thing. So helping, I do a lot of uh, like skateboards for young skaters and helping parents choose the first skateboard or longboard that they um, are going to skate. That's a lot of fun. I'm doing more of that. I will pick on a few, not pick on, but recommend a few brands. And instead of being a supermarket of look at all the skate brands we have, I think we'll just do a few brands and recommend, you know, a few products for each category. So if there's a product that we don't want to recommend, we don't have to sell it. And I have been doing some other projects. One of them is Charlie Don't Skate. So that was an old school forum. That was a forum I was on when I got back into skating and racing. And it was sort of like an Australian silverfish. And I've relaunched it. It's now been put on the discourse platform. So I run some software on a server. It's really good software. I don't know, there's something a little bit different about a forum. You can walk away from a forum and come back in a week or two and catch up on everything that's going on. So I know that's a little bit antiquated and I'm not expecting skaters to rush back in and start using a forum again, but it's nice. It was something that I've been meaning to do and I've got that out of the way and we're running that forum. Come and join us there, charliedontskate.com and I've relaunched Skate Horde. So it's sort of like a digital magazine and I've been doing some writing there. I've written an article on there about what I think the future of Skate Horde is and what I'm trying to achieve there. I'd really love for other skaters, people in the industry to do some collaborations with me there or write some articles and help me out. It might just become a place for me to rant and rave and just write about the type of skating I like to, that I'm interested in. But that's been really popular. I've been, uh, the way that we're promoting it through social media and my social media accounts, it's been surprisingly successful. I mean, we're close to 50,000 views, I think, this month. That was obviously helped by the World Roller Games. We sort of launched at the World Roller Games and that got us a lot of eyeballs because there wasn't a lot of uh, information out there. So I think we captured a lot of um, 
people reading and discovered us. So, I mean, that's been successful. I mean, I might do more there, but I'd love to collaborate with some brands and so forth there. You know what I mean? And I suppose being out of the skate shop business, can I be a little bit more independent? Yeah, maybe not. You know, you like the brands you like, I suppose. What else have I been up to event-wise? Well, you know I'm involved in Newton's. I was talking to Lance today about Newton's. You know, we're having a quick discussion. Lance is the president of the Australian Skateboard Racing Association. I suppose we're going to get back into that. I don't know what we're going to be doing for Newton's. We have dates. It's on. But I'd like to do some other types of events. So I've been talking to the dance community, freestyle community, the push scene. So I've got venues lined up for dance, freestyle and push. So if you're interested in any of those uh, niches or those types of longboarding, get in contact, send me a DM, send me an email. I'd love to hear from you because I'd really like to get into more organizing more of those events and probably connecting more to those communities, either through Skate Horde or Hopkins Skate or Charlie Don't Skate. So, yeah, there's a lot going on. Uh, you know, one door closes, five doors open, something like that. And you've probably noticed a few changes with the podcast. So I have moved the podcast onto Anchor. You might have seen my Skate Every Day podcast, which was me testing out the Anchor platform. I did a few interviews, one with Jeff at Pantheon. I did another one with Max Heaton, which was huge. I mean, the Max interview, that was a very popular interview. And that was just basically Max and I at the end of the week just talking about stuff. And I think people appreciate that. I think there's something about talking to people in different communities about what's going on and their opinions. So I've moved over to the Anchor platform. Some of the benefits of the Anchor platform are should be easier to put out more podcasts. You can give me feedback or you can be part of the podcast. So you can download the Anchor app. It's on all platforms, downloaded. You can have it on your phone. You can listen to my podcast there, but better, you can send me a message. So you can record a message with your phone. It will get recorded onto my podcast platform and I can listen to them and I can include it in my next podcast. So I'd love to get some feedback here from you guys, download the Anchor platform and you never know. If you want to start a podcast, the Anchor app makes it so easy to start a podcast. Like seriously, that Skate Everyday podcast I did that was just, that was so easy to do. And once you learn, it's just like, I suppose, any type of social media. And I'd love to hear more longboard skateboard podcasts out there, especially from the community. I think it's a great way to express your views and to get information out there. So I'd encourage people to download the Anchor app, get involved, send me some feedback, send me some questions. And we might play with that a little bit. Like, you know, I might get the community to ask me questions before I interview someone. But even better still, if you have that Anchor app, we can do a podcast together. It's very easy. I send you a link, you click on it, we both start talking, it's recording, I throw it up. It's really that easy. So if 
you want to be on the Hop Podcast, download the Anchor app. I might even start a calendar so we can coordinate times in your time zone and my time zone. That's it. Wow. I think the end of the podcast was almost as big as, as the podcast. Sorry about that, guys, but you can always turn it off, I suppose. Thank you for listening. I'll catch you on the next one. Hop out.